This teaching is a, um, a close one to my heart uh, when it comes to Thanksgiving and remembrance. And really, I'm going to be focusing really on both those issues, but kind of launching off of remembrance, which is kind of unusual for me. Usually, I just go into Thanksgiving and eventually cruise towards the remembrance side. Um, but really, remembrance kind of intros Thanksgiving in many respects. You have to remember in order to give thanks. So I thought I would start with that. And just even how it's weaving into what we've been going over for the past few weeks and how powerful that is. So I'm going to have a, a slight review here at the beginning. There it is. And uh, our review, remembering is important in the end. So following the past weeks of, of really digging into God's creation process, what that means to us today, I thought, this, uh, thought that this topic of Thanksgiving remembrance would fit well. So I just want to start with a verse that really Tim hit on the first week that we started going through Genesis 1. And started ripping into it. I'm just going to read through my notes. I'm hoping the scriptures just kind of speak for themselves. I'm not going to try to be really that flashy. I'm just going to share the word with you. We'll see where it goes. Um, so 2 Peter 3, 3-7. Three through seven. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, or they choose to forget or ignore that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of the water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of, of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. The flood with Noah. Basically because people forgot God. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. A warning to remember that he is still the creator, overseer of all things. So, this is just... It, it, I, as I was going through it, I actually didn't know how I was going to link this to the creation process that Tim's been going through. And then I, I just thought of Second Peter 3 and how this is completely centers around what I wanted to talk about tonight. That humanity chooses to forget and choosing to forget God, they lose sight of Him, they become foolish, they lean on their own ways and their own whatever. And, and then it's a thief. The day of the Lord comes like them on a thief and takes them out. So, so it's important that we remember even believers. And there's we see from Israel, the, uh, Israel in the Old Testament, they forgot a lot. Number two, these scriptures give powerful insight into how the enemy will seek to deceive in the last days so that many discredit and forget God as the creator and judge of the earth. So, um, I just want to jump into later in First Peter, or, or later in Second Peter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, or longing for it. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Number three, for anyone who loses sight of God as head over all things, creator and judge, they also will lose sight of living holy and godly lives in the fear of the Lord and preparation of his coming judgment and, re and, and restoration. So as soon as we lose God as the head, the one that's over all things and that will someday restore those things and it's going to come through judgment, the moment we forget that is the moment that, that we really lose sight of running the race in, in this life unto that day, the next age. 
So it's, it's going to seem like a little bit of repetition, but I promise we're going we're to go somewhere. Number four, based on our belief and waiting for God to restore all things in the future, let us be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and take care. So we're going to talk about around a lot of verses tonight that talk about taking care. Look, remember, keep that in your sights. Take care that we are not carried away with the error of lawless people, but grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. All of this is only empowered by our dependence and crying out to the Holy Spirit. Number five, belief, understanding, and remembrance of the biblical creation account is foundational to belief. Understanding and remembrance of the biblical restoration of all things. So, basically, the creation account and remembering that and how that went and setting our sights on that and understanding it, churning on it like what we've been doing in the Emmaus Road Gathering, it's critical to believing what's going to happen at the end. So, I'll just give a little bit of my own testimony. Probably the past year and a half, in working through some of this my own cell, in, my, in my own self, I found that with the creation account, I really didn't fully believe the process that happened in creation. Like, I, I just hadn't sought, I hadn't dug, I hadn't looked into it carefully enough. So when it really came, came down to it, I could yak, yak, yak with my mouth about the creation process, or even a little bit about the end, but really in my heart I didn't believe it, and the Lord began to just confront me. And I knew that I wasn't believing it because my life wasn't being lived based off of it. So we're going we're gonna to kind of work through some of these things tonight, which Tim has been working through, but I just want to work through, really my goal tonight is to Get us to understand and grasp in a deep way the importance of remembering. Remembering God in His awesomeness and God in His ways and what He does in our lives and, and just around us. When the enemy seeks to discredit God in the beginning, then he is ultimately seeking to discredit God's ending, which should be our hope and motivation for living holy and godly lives. So I'm just trying to connect those dots. So when the end is discredited, which is our hope, like I'm leaning, it's the Peter verse, I'm leaning fully on the, on the grace that's going to be given me when Jesus Christ returns. So whenever I'm not leaning on that, then I don't live my life with the fear of the Lord, like constantly churning my heart, causing me to tremble, and living just a hunger, a hunger for holiness and godliness and living unto that. Number six, so I truly believe that grasping God's heart of Genesis 1 through 3 is essential for believers to endure to the end with hearts unoffended at God. Because the end is going to come, and if we believe the beginning, then we believe the end. When the end comes, we believe it, and we're ready for it. All right, number two, here we go. We're going to dive into where I want to go. Remembering him and his goodness is essential. A, perspective matters. Perspective so matters, but many times we lose perspective. So my hope tonight is to really churn our ho- in our hearts the, the importance of, of great gaining perspective of what the Lord wants us to gain perspective on. Psalm 77, 11 through 14, which we had during the reflective time, I just want to start with that. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all of your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. Number one, in the Bible it seems like God is continually trying to point the eyes of his people toward him and his ways. Not because he has an ego to take care of, but because he serves, he, it serves their well-being. So here's how it serves their well-being. So I kind of unfold this and I'll unfold it a little bit more. When we place our eyes on his greatness and goodness, then our priorities begin to align with his priorities by the work of the Spirit in our lives. Some examples of this are in Joshua 24, Nehemiah 9 and 10. 
After taking the time to remember the Lord moving in, in their midst over time, they repented and then committed their ways back to Him. Number two, men's hearts were always meant to be gripped by the goodness of God. When we remember His goodness, then our lives are stripped of complaints, self-seeking, and we die in order, in order for His agenda to live through us. We desire to serve His purposes above our own. So, all throughout the Old Testament, we see this primarily throughout the Old Testament, is, is that you have the Israelites, and they're journeying along, and they're kind of cruising, they're going along their way, and they constantly forget. There's verse upon verse upon verse, scripture upon scripture in the Old Testament that says, do not forget, or remember. Do not forget, remember. Do not forget, remember. And what did the Israelites do? They forgot quite a bit, okay? And they didn't remember, right? Which we do often. And so, so what I love is there's these scriptures, or these passages, or chapters in the Bible. It's all throughout the Bible, where really they just begin to like crank through, here's what God has done, here's who he is. Whether it be the good stuff, which a lot of times it is, or it be judgment in order to grip their hearts and yank them back towards him. So they just start cranking through it, and at the end it really comes down to a deciding point. So are you now going to serve him again? So this is, this is really, really important I think for us. I think a lot of times we kind of hit slumps in life or we hit moments of despair or moments of turmoil which I know I have a lot of the time. And in those moments, we have a choice. Either we sit and sulk in our own self-pity, and we just kind of sit in that, or we choose to take time to reflect and remember what it is that God has done, or even what it is that He's doing, to open our eyes and allow Him to kind of elevate us out of the circumstance and have like a bird's-eye view rather than being right in the midst of it and being discouraged by it. So Joshua 24, 14 through 16. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. I just kind of stop there. This entire chapter is around this concept I'm talking about. So this is coming. Joshua is saying this, verse 14 and beyond, Right after he's like, God did this for you, and he 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 did this for you, and he's just like cranking through all these things that God's done for them. Because they've forgotten. They've lost sight of them. And then he says what he just said. What I love about this is whenever you choose to remember and, and set your eyes on the wonders and awesomeness of who God is, whether it be in your life or just who he is, like stretching out the expanse and creating the heavens and the earth and all that, that when you do that, it really draws the line. If you see Joshua's drawing the line, he's like, well, you guys have kind of been serving the Lord, but you've also been doing this over here. And so at that point, he's like, either you do one or the other. He's kind of drawing the line with them. And how do they answer? Far be it from us. Now, this is a great response, but they don't really live up to it. That's the bummer. But they're, they're trying. They're trying to commit to him in this moment. The other one is Nehemiah 9. It's just another chapter. I didn't want to work through the entire chapters. But it's the same type of concept and at the very end, Nehemiah 9.38, because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites and our priests. So they're kind of working through what the Lord has done for them. They're really repenting of their sin in the midst of the moment and remembering who God is. And at the end, they're like, here's a covenant. We're making a covenant with you, Lord. We're saying we are going to remember. We're going to choose to set you on the throne and keep you on the throne over all of Israel. So they're trying to make this covenant with the Lord to do that. Number three, prayer is such a gift to us. I just, I wanted to put this in here. It's kind of a random side note. 
But prayer is such a gift to us so that we might remember who he is, gain right perspective, and be encouraged by his spirit to pursue a pure and holy life in light of that. So prayer is a gift. Prayer is given to us. So many people, they think of prayer and they think of intercession and interceding for something, and that's great. Prayer is intercession. But prayer, you can't intercede on behalf of the Lord unless you know who the Lord is and you have your sight set on him and his awesomeness and who he is. And so it's so important in the place of prayer for us to just set our eyes. There's many times, just to be honest, for me, where I'll have all the craziness of the day kind of going on. I'll step into the place of the, of the prayer, prayer room or my prayer closet or whatever it is, and I'll sit down and I'll just set my eyes on his throne. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it might mean that I open the word and I just read what his throne room looks like, and I just sit and on those scriptures and meditate on what's going on right now before the throne, the worship and all that's happening, and just taking my, my, the time to do that and just set my eyes on the Lord. It might be remembering, hey, Lord, Holy Spirit, I ask you to awaken in my heart how, God, you have worked in my life today, yesterday, or whenever you want, but just awaken in my heart things that I can be thankful for that you've had, you've done, by the work of your hands, you've done in my life. So that could be anything. For me, um, for a time, it was, it was really just thanking the Lord for my, for my parents, for thanking the Lord for my mom. And he, whenever I was young, like, there's a certain memory that the Lord just brought to memory in the times of prayer for a series of weeks, where when I was young, I was, I was tormented. I really believe I was tormented by demons. I was a very depressed child, tried killing myself several times. And where my mom just was there, she was constantly there, she didn't get frustrated, she didn't grow impatient, because she could have, but she was there and she was helping me along through that journey, and really was patient. I was just so thankful for that, because that, that was a breaking point in my life, really, as a young kid. Number four, Remembering God's grace and salvation helps us to see God's commands through eyes of understanding and love instead of rebellion. God constantly sought to encourage Israel in this way that they might obey and know him. Okay, so for me, this comes into play just with my son, with my son Arden, and that, that whenever I'm trying to uh, command him to do something or, or ask him to do something, Instead of rebellion, the, 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 whenever I get the best response is whenever I'm trying to describe to him the love, how it's for his well-being that he does what I ask him to do. And whenever he realizes, you can see it in his face, no joke. He's three years old, so sometimes he doesn't get it. But when he gets it, his, light, his face lights up and he wants to please me. He, want, he doesn't want to rebel, he wants to please me and do what I ask him to do. Because he's understanding that that is going to be for his well-being. And so he actually enjoys it instead of rebels against it. Exodus 13, 3, just have some verses here. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out, of, out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by the strong hand the Lord brought you out of this place. So you'll see all throughout the Old Testament, especially early on in the Old Testament, God's constantly trying to remind them. Exodus 22, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So I just put thou shalt not right after that, because that's the thou shalt nots. Come right after Exodus 20, verse 2. So why does that matter? Here's why it matters. God's saying, hey, I care for you. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. My heart is to save you, to rescue you, to bring you to me. Thou shalt not, da-da-da, thou shalt not, da-da-da, thou shalt. So it's not, thou shalt not, it's, I love you. I am in love with you. See, remember what I did? Therefore, do these things, and it'll go well with you. Numbers 15. 37 through 41, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels of the corners of their garments 
And it shall be a tassel for you to look at, and, look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them. Not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to, uh, to whore after. Wow. You shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So, I think it's incredible. We don't have time to go into it tonight. I really love teaching on the tabernacle and what all that even means into our prayer life today, the tabernacle of the Old Testament. But one of the things I love is all throughout the Old Testament, there was little things that were put in place to constantly remind Israel. It was like trying to like slap them around every corner. I'm God! I'm God! You know, like, you know, just to get them to remember that He is God. He is who He says He is. That He loves them desperately and, and his, He has steadfast love. It says that all the time. That His love is steadfast. He loves you. It endures forever. All of those things. So I just love that there's little things like this, like little tassels that He does and stuff like that. For me, in my, like, there's practical things I even do for my own self to remember who the Lord is. Like there's certain signs up around my house with just statements on them to remind me that the Lord is who He says He is. And to keep that in check as I go throughout my house, I see those things often. Deuteronomy 5.15, you shall remember that I brought you out of Egypt, basically. Deuteronomy 15.15, you shall remember you were a slave in Egypt, I brought you out, I'm God. Therefore, I command you this today. So notice, he's reminding them again, I brought you out of Egypt, now I'm commanding you, do this. I love you, desperately love you. So therefore, do this. I, I have your best interest in mind. Number five, many of the Davidic Psalms are great examples of what remembrance looks like in the real life situations and how it can set the tone for how we live. Man, the Psalms are just filled. I just love the Psalms. A lot of people love the Psalms for this reason because the Psalms just kind of reach into your world and you fill them because they're like real life scenarios going on. David going, oh God, I'm going to die. My flesh is falling off my bones. I love you. You know, it's like real life stuff happening in the Psalms at all times. And so I just want to give some examples of this. And just how David, the man after God's own heart, the, I believe that David was the man after God's own heart because he was so set on the awesomeness of God. That even in the most desperate, hard situations, his eyes were set on the maker and creator of the universe. And he, he knew God. He knew God and that God was who, was who he said he was. So I'm not going to read all of these, but Psalms 4. Psalm of David, answer me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have given me relief. When I was in distress, and I just underlined that, just to say it's a real life situation. You give it, he's remembering. You gave me relief when I was in distress, in distress. Be gracious to me. Hear my prayer. Verse 7, down below. You have, you have put more joy in my heart than they, they have with their grain and wine abound. When their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Let's skip to Psalms 31. Um, two verses down. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. He's in distress once again. My eye is wasting from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Oh, how abundant is your goodness. Okay, so I skipped some verses there because he just kind of goes on for a while. But I just want to skip to that end like, oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, for, who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you. In the sight of the children of mankind, the cover of your presence, the presence I, I hide. Um, yeah, so I just want to hit on that. That David, he looks like a complainer at the, at the front end, but the thing I love is that he's just coming to God and saying, God, here's where I'm at. And then he, he does it in there. He ends with an exaltation, a remembrance of who God is and what God has done in his life. 
so important. All right. Number three, Thanksgiving as the fruit of remembrance. A, remembrance is the road by which Thanksgiving travels. It's what I said at the very beginning, that if we don't remember, then we don't give thanks. So we first have to remember in order to give thanks. So really, remembrance is that road by which Thanksgiving travels. Now, Thanksgiving is the thing that I've, I've been passionate about for a long, long time. But I can't be passionate about Thanksgiving without being passionate about remembrance. Because if I don't remember, then I don't give thanks. But Thanksgiving, which I, I, to be honest, I don't go anywhere close into the full teaching that I have on Thanksgiving during our time here tonight. But Thanksgiving is such a powerful subject in the heart of the Lord. Like we need to pray and cry out, God, give us a spirit of Thanksgiving for who you are. Oh, we need a spirit of Thanksgiving. Desperately. Number one, a person's prayer life can be made known through the level of thanks that exudes from their life. As we behold him and his goodness, or remember, thanksgiving becomes a common declaration from our lips. We all have struggles, as did David and many in the word, but it is in remembering the depths of who he is that, our, we, that, that we exalt him above those problems. So that's the key. We all have problems. We know we have problems. I'm not trying to ignore the problems. I don't want to ignore the problems. Problems are everywhere, around every corner, but the key is exalting him above those problems. And too much of the time, and I'm saying this just from my own experience, from myself, too much of the time, the problems exalt over God and who He is. Because we lose sight of just the awesomeness, the reality that He is real, He's alive, that He's above those things. I grew up, and the reason this is such a big subject for me is I grew up in a family that was a lot of complaining going on. And so for me, I really stepped into my walk with the Lord with a lot of complaint and had to deal with that. The Lord wrestled me to the ground in a very loving way, and got me in a headlock and until I finally was like, Lord, I thank you, oh, you know, and I started giving thanks on a consistent basis. But it took, it took really crying out to the Holy Spirit and asking the Lord to help me because it's in my being to complain. It's in my being to gossip, which is a result of complaints. It's in my being to, uh, to blame, which is a response of complaints. All of those things. All right, Psalms 107. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loyal love, for his covenant love, his hesed love, that, this, this love where he's committed to us, and for the amazing things he has done for people. Let them present thank offerings and loudly proclaim that, what he has done. I just, I love this verse because it says loudly proclaim. This is the thing, which I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself, I'll skip all around, but whenever we give thanks, it's, it, we remember, and when we remember, we become thankful. And when we become thankful, like really thankful, sincerely, genuinely thankful about something, what do we do? We want to tell others about it. We want to proclaim it. We want to say, man, I really love this store because, like for instance, I'll give you an example. I love promoting Ken and Sue's in Durango, Colorado, where Grace and I used to live. It's a restaurant. And I really loved promoting Ken and Sue's. Why? Because I was really thankful whenever I was going out the door, they had Jelly belly, jelly beans right there. And you could just scoop a handful of jelly bellies in your hand. It sounds really weird, but I just, I loved Ken and Seuss for the jelly bellies. So anyway, so remembering is, is a key thing. All right. Number two, remembrance clears the fog that life can bring, lifts anxiety of current turmoil by seeing the big, bigger picture, and ultimately leads to genuine thanksgiving. Number three, before we can declare his goodness, we must first remember it. Throughout the Bible, declaration of God and his, and his goodness surrounds the remembrance of God. And his goodness. So I just want to stop there. I underline that because pretty much everywhere you look, whenever there's a declaration 
of, of remembering or to remember, there's, there's also a declaration of, of his goodness, like just actually listing it out. So remember, boom, 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 boom. There's a declaration of it and thanksgiving that comes forth. When, we're, when we remember him, thanksgiving declaration naturally follows. I.e., when we get a, good, a great deal on something, our heart is thankful and we then declare it in thanks and many times promote it or proclaim it to others. First Chronicles 16, it's a great chapter. Glory in his holy name. Sit on that for a while. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek the presence continually, his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. So I just want to stop for a second on this. It's important that, that when, in the remembering factor, when we have remembrance and we have thanksgiving, that it includes the judgment side as well. And a lot of times the remembrance is just the good stuff and all that. But there, there is judgment. So even here, the, the remembering is remembering that God is a judge, that, that, that he loves us desperately and he judges us now. And really judgment is mercy right now in this age. That it's to hem us in and get us to be with him. But in the end, judgment is, is a final thing. That judgment is coming and just realizing that, remembering that he is returning to judge Verse 15, remember his covenant forever, the word that he commands for a thousand generations. I'm just going to skip to 22. Touch my, not my anointed ones, do, uh, do my prophets no harm before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So they're remembering. They're remembering his works. They're remembering his judgments, the work of his hands, all of those things. Now give thanks, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. That he's loving. He's, this is a time of mercy where we can choose him. It's not the end yet. Ezra 3.11, I'm going to jump past that. God is good. His love endures forever. Going on to number four, the effects of thanksgiving. So the effects of thanksgiving, this is kind of some stuff that really burns in my heart. A, response to problems. Number one, when thanksgiving toward the, the Lord's goodness is really at work in our hearts, peace is a natural outcome because it helps us place trust in Him. Philippians 4, 5 through 7 is a great, uh, great verses to go by. Let your reasonableness be, na- be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I just want to break down this passage really quick, just because I think it's really important. Halfway through verse, four, verse 5, the sentence ends, the one first sentence, and it says, the Lord is at hand, and it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The two connect there really dramatically. The Lord is at hand, and so throughout the word, you see this dynamic of the Lord saying, you're not orphans. You're, you're my adopted children. I am returning for you. You are my sons and daughters. He's saying, the Lord, I'm at hand. I'm coming back. I'm going to return to restore all things. I'm going to return to ultimately save you from the day of darkness and bring you into the day of light, which is the next age. That the, Lord, the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. He's coming. So therefore, in the realization of the end and what's going to happen and the fact that you will be saved and rescued 
with a resurrect, you're going to receive a resurrected body in the end. With that fact, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And if you do this, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I could bring that down further, but I just I want to point that out. That it's in this realization of, God, you are really there. You are really coming. And because of that, I don't need to worry and be anxious. I don't need to anchor myself in this age, but I just need to get to know you, listen to your spirit, and abide in you, and then move the way you asked me to move. So getting to know his voice and know him is critical with that reality. Number two, Paul and Silas's, uh, Paul and Silas, Silas's response with remembrance in their situation, uh, which eventually led to uh, their divine release. Okay, so Paul, I kind of screwed up on the sentence there, but Paul and Silas, they responded in remembrance in the midst of their situation in prison. And as a result, it led to their divine release. Problems will arise in our lives without doubt, but our, our attitude can be a testimony and witness to the reality of our hearts, even to the point of it affecting our environment and those around us. Not always, but there's a chance. It did it right here. Acts 16. The crowd joined in attacking them, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, so these guys just got beat, 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 and I'm sure it wasn't a light beating, they threw them into prison, which some people might know this, but the prison and, and just the way it was in those days, they're kind of, there's different tiers and they're on the bottom, and when people are going to the potty, sorry, my son's, I'm potty training my son, so I call it potty, but when they're going to the bathroom, the excrement would fall on them and things like that, so they're not in a good situation in prison. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So they're choosing, the hymns here are, uh, I think they call them the halal hymns or something to that effect, and it's like Psalms 118, something like that, or Psalms 139. Anyway, they really believe that these were the hymns or the psalms that we know of today that they were singing. So they're praying, praying, singing these hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So the prisoners are listening to them exalt and Lift up and remember who God is. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. B, it reveals his faithfulness. The effects of thanksgiving, it reveals his faithfulness. Number one, thankfulness or thanksgiving recognizes or brings to light faithfulness in the one we are giving thanks for. As a result, it can strengthen our trust and resolve in the Lord as we remember and give thanks for who He is and what He has done in our lives. This is probably the number one area that the Lord, probably the number one area that's affected me most in the area of thanksgiving. Is that as I chose to give thanks, and the Holy Spirit helped me in that journey of giving thanks to Him, I began to trust Him at a level that I had never trusted Him before. I began to become radical Richie, Okay, to most of my friends and people I know, my family. Because I was just like, it's like I was just falling into him and just trusting that he would, he would take me. And it was all in this consistent attitude of thanksgiving and remembering who he is in my life. So, Lord, you are good. You are, your goodness, your love endures forever. Oh, and just remembering the little details in my life. Like he would just reveal, it just became normal for me to, to remember things that he was doing in my life, seeing God at work all around me. And in that, I just began to trust him. There was like no fear. It's like, oh, God, you're calling me to go to Michigan 
to this small little city. I have no car. I have no one that supports me in this, in this endeavor. They just want me to go get jobs and do college and whatever. But Lord, I know I'm hearing you say this. All right, I'll do it. Just like no fear in my heart. Because I just really trusted the Lord because of this area of thanksgiving that had just been churning for weeks and months and years. It just caused me to be abandoned to the Lord. It's a powerful thing. Psalms 28, 6 and 7. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the uh, blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exults, and with my song I give thanks to him. Oh, if we I, I just want to stop. Like if we could get this, this is powerful. This is a power, like so many believers don't trust the Lord. They they trust what their hands can do. They're fearful to release things to the Lord. Finances, they're fearful. The situations they're in, they're fearful to release things to the Lord. And man, if we can get this issue of thanksgiving, if remembrance is constantly churning in our hearts about the greatness and goodness of who God is, then we trust Him at a level that the Lord is looking for, that He desires in the ones that love Him. Psalms 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend or feed on faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. C, revolving door of mutual love and blessing. I just wanted to stop on this. I didn't have time to look up a bunch of verses on this. I, I couldn't think of any off the top of my head as I was prepping for my notes. But number one, just like a parent loves to bless and reward the, the thankful heart of a child, the Lord is the same with us. This is another, this is, uh, all these are just coming through experiential things that I've had with the Lord in the midst of Thanksgiving. Let me give you an example. It's kind of like I'm walking through life and God does something in my life. It doesn't have to be he gives me something physical, like a material thing. Maybe it is. But the Lord blesses me with something, and I stop and I give him thanks. There's, like a, there's, a, there's an exalting of him even in the moment. Like I stop. Like I, I, I made a declaration in my own heart that I would stop anytime the Lord blessed me, and I would declare goodness to him. And who, I would declare his goodness back to him. Just in thanksgiving. And it would cause my heart to just stretch and expand in love for God. And you know what God, like, I found, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know how all this works, but I just found that the, I would start walking along, and it would be like right around another corner, and maybe it's just because my eyes were open to it and are open to it, that I'd be like, bam, I'd get hit with something else that the Lord would bless me with. And so there was one time in prayer where I just really imagined the Lord, that the Lord was, <laughs> I just had this vision in my, in my mind that the Lord's sitting on his throne and he, he, you know, he blesses me in whatever way, you know, stretching, you know, encouraging me in whatever way, whatever it is. And I just stop and I go, oh, Father, thank you. Oh, thank you. Ah. <laughs> you know, and get excited back to the Lord about it. And I just had this picture of the Lord just going, oh, you, you see my son, you see Richie, you see him? Like, he, he loves me. Like, just this genuine thanksgiving, whenever your child gives thanks to you, you just want to keep pouring out blessing on that child. Oh, 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 okay, yeah, I'll give you a candy bar. And then, oh, thank you, Daddy. Okay, yeah, I'll give you an ice cream cup, whatever it is. I don't know. But you just want to keep blessing your child when there's a genuine thanksgiving that comes from them that you know that there's love given towards you. So I just saw it where the Lord was just like, bam, and he would want to pour out more blessing on me, whatever way that came. And I'd be walking along and I would see that, and then I would give thanks for that in a genuine way. And then he would go, ah! on this throne and he'd go, bam, and he'd hit me again. And just this revolving door of gladness in my heart and I couldn't get away from it. And it's so awesome. 
It's like the joy that lives and breathes and dwells in you. It's great. All right, D, cleanses our tongue. So the effects of thanksgiving is it cleanses our tongue. Our tongue is a very easy and clear sign of our heart response to God. Our heart response meaning remembering and thanksgiving. Ephesians 5.4, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Why? Why thanksgiving? Why not something else? Why thanksgiving? It's because it, it cleanses us. It causes us to really shape things up. Ephesians, Ephesians 5, 19 through 20. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart. Giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This really, uh, Ephesians 5, 20 really has become my life verse. Giving thanks always for all things. I don't always live up to it, obviously, because I'm a, a weak, frail, broken human being. But man, I want to live that way. Where I give thanks always for all things. Where I'm constantly understanding and remembering the greatness of who God is and how he's at work in my life and how I can give thanks to him and project thanksgiving towards him at any moment because I'm remembering him at all times. All right, let's go on. Uh, Forgetting is detrimental. So just like remembering is essential, forgetting is detrimental. And so I couldn't, I could have spent the entire time on remembrance and thanksgiving. But I really felt a check from the Lord in my heart as I started to do that. And I think it's because there's just so much warning in the word to not forget. Don't forget. So much warning in the word about complaint. So I really wanted to spend time on this and just hit on it. I don't want to be a downer here at the end, but I really feel like we need to take time to just to work through this. So A, don't forget. Psalm 78 4 through 8, verse 11. We will not hide them from their children, but tell, tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know him, the children of yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments." And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. This is big. This is a big deal when you forget. Forgetfulness is, is sin in some respects. Oh, that these guys, they, they lost sight of God. Like whenever I lose sight of God, I lose sight of the hope that's in him. When I don't remember him and give thanks for him and I forget him, I lose sight of the hope that he has to give me. And when I lose sight of the hope he has to give me, I don't walk forward with repentance and and with holiness in my heart and a hunger for all of these things that are in the Lord's heart. I lose sight. And I might not endure to the end to know him. It's so key. Deuteronomy 4, 9, 23 only take care and keep your soul diligent, diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. Take care, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he had made with, with you, and make a carved image the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. 
Take care. Keep your heart with diligence. Take care. Lest you forget. Man, we got to take care. We got to remember. We got to do whatever it takes to remember and keep our eyes set on him so that we can journey through this age and, and make it to the next with our hearts intact for him. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 15. I'm just going to jump down to verse 12, basically saying, hey, you're going to enter into the promised land, and if you don't remember me, you're going to think you got all this stuff that you, that you did it on your own. When you didn't, I gave it to you. So he's saying, just beware of that. Verse 12, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Um, him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Like, this isn't light in the Lord's heart. He doesn't want to intimidate us either. Like, he just wants us to remember the glory of who he, like, it's not hard when you begin to dive into the word and look at the majesty of who he is. Genesis, the creation story that we've been doing, it's not hard to just have your heart filled with love and adoration for who he is. Psalms 9:17. the wicked are turned back and sent to Sheol. This is the destiny of all nations that ignore or forget God. Psalm 78, 10 through 12, they did not keep God's covenant but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. Isaiah 17, for you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not remembered the rock of your refuge. Therefore, though you plant pleasant plants and sow the vine branch of a stranger, though you make them grow on the day that you plant them and make them blossom in the morning that you sow, Yet the harvest will flee away in a day of grief and incurable pain. So, for in the midst of this verse, I think even that not being able to harvest is the Lord just trying to awaken our hearts and to say, hey, come back to me. Remember me. I'm the one that oversees everything. Just remember that. Romans 1, we probably all read these verses. They're so huge. They're, uh, there's some... Great content here. Romans 1, 19 through 23 and verse 25. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So just stop there. So it's been made known in the creation we've been talking about all these weeks. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God and they did, not, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, empty in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the, cre- cre- uh, the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So, the ultimate endpoint of forgetting is that you worship yourself. That's what it's getting at. So when we begin to worship ourselves, what happens in the midst of that? We begin to complain. We begin to think we need this, this, and this, or that we expect this and this and this because we have the right to it. There's all of these things. When we have right to nothing. We have a right to go to hell. That's what we have, the right to. So we, be, we begin to lose sight 
The fact that God is looking for a pure and spotless, blameless bride. He's coming back for that. And I guarantee you remembrance and thanksgiving is at the forefront of creating a, a spotless and peerless bride. Complaint is the declaration of forgetting. So the effects, the effects of complaining. Corporate and individual complaint severely hinders faith to pursue what God has said. Discouragement, self-pity, and giving up slowly take us down a road of pride and eventually get it giving up. Usually it starts with discouragement. Discouragement comes because we forget that God is the master, the man, the one that oversees all. So we get discouraged and discouragement ultimately leads to complaint and complaint then leads to what we've been talking about. Numbers 13 and 14. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So these are the spies saying, here's its fruit from, from the land, the promised land. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Do you not remember the God that brought you out of Egypt? Oh, so they, they've forgotten, obviously. And besides, so now they're giving in to their doubt and their, their discouragement. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. They were huge and large and giants. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy, spy it out, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. Then the Lord said, But truly as I live, none of, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test and have not obeyed my voice, shall see it. Number two, complaint almost always leads to some type of finger pointing and blame game. Selfishness is fed through complaint and then bursts blame. Those who complain, blame, and are lame. Yeah, I used to teach uh, some children, 9 through 12 year olds, and they, I always had that phrase, those who complain, blame. And, uh, and one week they came to me all excited and added the and are lame on the end of it, so... So that's in tribute to them. Number three, complete, complaint is, all, is also the instigator of gossip and even suicidal thoughts. Because of discouragement or unmet expectations, people are prone to gossip, complain, and ultimately want to give up through suicide or going back to the bondage they once, came, they once were in. Numbers 14 is a great example. Then all the congregation raised a loud, a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. So they gossiped amongst each other, basically. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into, into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? So it caused the bondage they once were in to look better to them than what the Lord had before them. Number four, complaint is not yet dead to self, but alive to individual corporate rights. So number 16 um, gives a great outline of this. I'm not really going to go through all this, um, 
But I, I did put some bullet points here, and I'm just going to run through these bullet points. A competition revealing whose heart, whose hearts are really holy before God. The losers get violently taken, Sheol. So for these guys, they are um, they're really competing. It's Aaron against the tribe of Korah. The tribe of Korah tries to come up against basically Aaron, who's in charge. God's kind of backing Aaron. And, uh, and it kind of ends violently where the, the earth opens up. These guys are sucked in because of their complaint. So the complaint ultimately leads them to rebel, and that rebellion ultimately leads them to the judgment of God. And that's really where it ends for all of us if, if we don't recognize who he is. So these guys get sucked under. Verse 41, just a few verses later, it's the next morning, they complain again. So you've got the tribe of Korah, earth opens, sucks them under, You've got the, uh, the priests that are trying to run from the big crack in the earth that just sucked them to Sheol, and God doesn't let them run. He zaps them, basically, and then everybody goes to sleep. They wake up, and they complain again after that happens. It's amazing. It, it's amazing. Another 14,700 die um, before atonement can be brought. It's crazy. Uh, complaints continue all the way into Numbers 21 where fiery serpents basically munch on the heels of people and much of Israel dies according to chapter 21 verse 6. So this complaint thing, God's like really trying to nip this thing in the bud with the Israelites. Why? Why doesn't he just, you know, let it kind of cruise and let them do their thing? Why? Because he wants them to be with him. He wants them to be with him when he restores all things at the end of this age. And he knows that if they don't recognize who he is and remember him, ultimately leading to thanksgiving and the proclamation of who he is and then serving God out of that, then they won't be with him in the end. So God's trying to really nip complaint in the bud and this forgetfulness thing. It's a a big deal to God. Number five, we're almost done here. Complaint in leadership will ultimately hinder those, those that you lead. Numbers 12, 1, 1 and 2, 10, verse 10 and verse 15. There's, it's a whole great story right here. But Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. They basically were chatting amongst each other. They complained. Moses married a woman they didn't want, want him to marry, basically, and they kind of complained coming against him. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. The Lord's listening. When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold... So this is, the Lord heard it. He's doing stuff in between these verses here. I'm just trying to give you the gist. When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. So the concept I'm trying to get at here is that Miriam was a leader in the midst of the camp. She complained. She was grumbling. The Lord heard it. He listens. He's, he's listening. He heard it, and he gives her leprosy for seven days. So basically, they have to stop what they're doing, set her outside the camp because she's leprous until she's better. They can't go anywhere. They can't move or, or go forward. So it affects. Complaint and leadership will ultimately hinder those that you lead. It really does. This is just one example. But I just know it from my own leadership. I'm a, I'm, man, I'm still struggling with this. The Lord doesn't have me in leadership right now, really, because I'm, I, he's still wrestling me through on this issue. It doesn't mean you can't be in leadership and, I mean, we complain and stuff happens, but man, this thing needs to be sifted out of our hearts. And it comes, 
in so many ways, shapes, and forms. I, I remember when I, I was traveling on the road um, with Teen Mania and Choir of the Fire and doing the youth events, and I was on a bus, and my, we, we had somebody that we would sleep with at night, um, another guy that I would sleep with on the bus while we were driving. His name was Justin, and, and Justin would always confront me because I would share something, and he'd be like, sounds like complaint to me, Rich. And I would always say, which is a, he's a good friend, and I always say, I'm just stating the facts. That would be the, what I would say. And it comes in so many ways, so many sly ways to gossip and, and, and to state the facts or whatever you want to call it. But man, it is, it's huge with the Lord and just making sure that we're aware, we're aware of the Lord in the midst of those things and, and what we're doing. Number six, this is the last point here. This, this is another big, this was in one of my Jesus times where the Lord spoke this to me. And, uh, and it just kind of caused me to tremble for quite a while. If thanksgiving is a form of worship to God, then complaints a form of worship to the enemy. And I was just seeking the Lord one day and, and just praying, and the Lord spoke this very, very clearly to me. Because I was, I was in rebellion in him, with him in some ways in this area. And uh, speaking against leadership and different things. And man, it just, it just caused my heart to tremble. That really, whenever I complain, I'm serving the enemy. I really am serving his ways. Just like whenever I'm giving thanks, I'm serving the Lord. I'm worshiping the Lord, serving his ways. Philippians 2, 14 through 16. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Lord, we just come to you tonight. Lord, we ask that you, God, we cannot do this on our own. Lord, I pray that this message would not lead to striving in and of our flesh. But I ask, Holy Spirit, that you, come, you would come and you would awaken our hearts to this subject. More than it's already awakened, I pray you'd bring a deeper level of awakening, God, to the area of remembering you. Throughout everyday things, at work, at class, wherever it is that we go and what we do, that Lord, you and remembering you would be at the forefront of our hearts. God, we want to shine. We want to shine. We want to be wrapped in light, Jesus, just like you are, sitting at the right hand of the Father with your resurrected body. We want to shine with you. So keep our, our mouths from grumbling. Keep our hearts from complaining. Lord, keep us from holding on to rights that we think we have when we don't. Oh God, Holy Spirit, we ask for your help. Apart from you, we cannot do this. So Holy Spirit, we ask right now, we ask that you would help us in this area of remembrance, in this area of thanksgiving. Lord, that you would take center stage in our life Lord, you take center stage in the midst of problems. Lord, that you would be over all things in our own hearts. God, the reality of our hearts, that you truly would be over all things. That the reality of your return and your coming, the ending, is just as sure as the beginning in our hearts, Lord. We ask for it tonight. In Jesus' name.